0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 9 of Namaste Bitches. Today we have Luke Stranquist on the podcast, very excited about it. He's a Bikram Yoga instructor, a Greenpeace activist, and an awesome performer. Speaking of performances, I will be previewing my Edinburgh show here in New York City on the 28th and 29th in Long Island City, at the creek in the cave it's at 7 p.m. it's for free all the information is on my website Abigailia.com or at CreekLIC.com. It should be a lot of fun. It's also the 29th is the last day I am in New York. So if we haven't gotten a chance to catch up yet, maybe come by, see the show, we'll grab a drink, it'll be great, and then I get to go back to London if my visa arrives. But that's not what we're talking about right now. Right now, let's get into the episode with Luke and uh, hear his piece of advice. Let's do it. So, Luke, what is your one piece of advice?
1: Well, I could give you a lot of advice, but but if there's one thing I could tell you, it'd be don't take yourself too seriously.
0: I like that one. Now, do the whole list. What
1: else? (laughs) I need all of the advice. um, No more carbs. Uh, Uh, Definitely. Get off gluten stat. Never. (laughs) I
0: try to do that for a week.
1: Make sure that you're not hanging out with too many Polish people Wait, no, no I'm sorry no, it's I'm not. so offended Are you Polish? I don't remember No, okay, right, sorry. but I'm still offended Because uh, I'm liberal yeah, was...
0: So something has to offend me
1: That's true, that's true The liberal tendency is that you have to be offended If you're not offended, you're not caring Yeah. Like, you're not care- and if you're not caring, you're conservative Yes, exactly So, so
0: I'll just be really conservative about fun Because I'm
1: liberal Perfect
0: But uh, okay So don't take yourself too seriously That's your piece of advice Yeah Have you gone through any phases Where you've taken yourself Way too seriously Oh
1: absolutely Tell
0: me about that Yeah
1: I mean life is a pain in the ass Like people are People are dropping dead all the time This is true Like you're always dealing with health crap uh, you never have any security about your future in any way. Everyone's like barely holding on. So, like, if you're taking yourself too seriously, then what the hell? You might as well just slit your wrists. Like, honestly. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Getting right to the point. Yeah. <laughs> Two minutes in, I think we're done now. These usually <laughs> last an hour.
1: I mean, I don't know. We've all had trials and tribulations. Yeah. I've been through my fair my fair share of shit. So yeah. And I learned really early on not take myself too seriously, and that's. Mm-hmm propelled me on a cloud of optimism through the rest of my challenges. So it's been really good.
0: So how do you, like, because w- I feel like it's a lot easier to say don't take yourself too seriously, but it's hard to actually not take yourself too seriously. Like, do you have, when when things are getting intense, do you have any tools to, when, to step back and kind of relax or...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest tool is 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 the mirror. I look at it and I'm like, "Wow, you're fucking ridiculous." Yeah. Like like calm the fuck down. Are you
0: talking about in yoga or just a mirror in general? A mirror
1: in general. <laughs> like the yoga I mirror should... is like a a huge huge prism of that, but yeah. but in general it's just any any reflection. You just see yourself, you're like, "Wow, it's just life. Yeah. Everybody is barely barely holding on. Even people who like really seem to have their shit together, they're all completely fucked up." Yeah. So if you Try can just learn, the table if you can much. just learn to laugh, <laughs> then <laughs> then you can learn to let go. Okay. <laughs> it's all for the best.
0: I told you I turned the mics up really high. <laughs> it's hurting my ears. I will proceed delicately okay. through the
1: rest of this podcast.
0: So uh, thank you, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Because if there's one thing you're known for, it's being delicate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But no, actually, you are. You're a delicate little flower. You I don't think anybody's the,
1: ever said that to me. But you thank you. I'll the take most it. I'll take gentle
0: it. Gentle yoga class. Like I love your class so much because it's just like ah, everything's fine. And it's,
1: it's, Are you saying you don't work at all in my class? I do nothing. That, I just, I pretty, I'll be I pretty, honest. I pretty much just sit there and just like, and just, <laughs> and just, just feel yeah. the energy and the chi rising just and just move.
0: Today today was one of those, because I took Luke's class right before we did the podcast, Luke and I, both Bikram yoga instructors. And it was one of those days where I was just tired and my allergies swelled up like right at the beginning and it was hard to see. So by the time we got to standing head to knee, I was like, like I'm sitting down in Triangle. Yeah, I just made that decision. I was like, today's not the day for Triangle for me.
1: <laughs> well, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you think that I teach a gentle class, it's probably because I recognize the intensity of, of life and yeah. I recognize the intensity of Bikram yoga. So I know when I'm practicing, the last thing I need is somebody telling me to intensify because yeah. I already am intense enough.
0: I just, just to be clear, I you don't teach a class. When I say gentle, I don't mean like a class where I won't work as hard. But sometimes, like some teachers are just very like, let's do it, let's go, let's mm-hmm. be over, yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. go. And you're just like, all right, guys, we're all here, so let's just let's just go.
1: I mean, I think I don't know if you've noticed this, but doesn't a lot of yoga, but Bikram yoga in particular, doesn't it draw a really, really specific like type of person from yeah, both ends a, of the spectrum, like yeah. either really type A, like like you must do this right, you must do this right now and it must be done like this or really, really the other end, like, hey, whatever, yeah. just like everything's fine and I definitely think I fall towards the latter spectrum mm-hmm. of that.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, I feel like I'm, when I started, I was definitely type A. Like, I was one of those people who came out of training that was just like, if you can't lock your knee, then you're just...
1: You may as well just, yeah. Just yeah, it's, slit it's, it's your, wrist. <laughs> just <laughs> your wrist. Just your wrist. There's no hope for you. So. <laughs> I, can't. I
0: believe I might have been taking myself too seriously.
2: Yeah, man. a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, you got certified right before me. You got... In fall. No, spring of 08. Yeah. Is that spring when you of got?
1: 08 in Acapulco. How
0: was. Ouch. Time to moving no, forward. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. But uh, what. How long were you practicing before you went to teacher training?
1: I practiced for six years before. teacher. Oh,
0: training. that's a really good chunk of time.
1: Yeah, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to go to teacher training. Uh. Every single year from like the first year of practice.
0: Oh, really? What stopped you? Just just money? There was no
1: money. and Yeah, that was pretty much it. No money whatsoever. But that time was crucial for me Mm -hmm. to develop because I think the six years that I had prior to becoming a teacher gave me a much, much better understanding of the practice, gave me a much, much more compassionate view of the practice. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of transformation. I went through a lot of changes in life. And then by the time I went to training, I was already pretty fully formed yeah. as a teacher. So when I came out of training, I, I had gotten everything I could possibly get out of it. So I felt like I hit the ground running. I didn't have to, I didn't have to spend those first two or three years that sometimes teachers have to go through to learn how, mm-hmm. to, how to teach. Like I was, I was ready. I was ready for a long time. So.
0: Did, it, did it allow you to be laid back during training? Cause I know for me, watching some people who practiced for a year and then went into training, they didn't understand what was happening to their body. Yeah. So I was like, "Well, I've I've already pulled and torn muscles, so <laughs> I'm fine."
1: <laughs> you know, I was so freaking grateful to be there. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing could rain on my parade at teacher training. Like oh, the that's worst, great. the worst day at teacher training was the best day of my life. Like Aww. it was, it was amazing.
0: Do you, are you talking about a specific day?
1: Yeah, there were a few there were a few days like
0: what what was the worst day the, the best day of your life?
1: Do you know what? Like honestly, I can't even it wasn't even something specific. Like everybody's uncovering emotions and mm-hmm. and and learning new things about themselves at teacher training, but for me it was like on the most mundane day, we were in lecture with the anatomy guy, do- Dr. T, or whatever mm-hmm. his name was. And, Trapani. And he was, yeah, Trapani. I yeah. can't
0: believe I remember he, that.
1: He loved my ass.
0: Yeah. <laughs> of course he did. I could
1: do no wrong. <laughs> like, because I had studied all the answers before training. It's not like I knew them, but I had studied them and yeah. memorized them. So I always was like that guy who knew everything. Oh yeah. god, he and so I was like you. teacher's favorite. Oh, but he was like talking about like bone marrow or something really really boring and I lost my shit. I started like fucking sobbing, crying, screaming. I had to run out of the lecture hall like and I just was like I was out in the middle of these hibiscus bushes like in a puddle of despair like and then I was all like, "All right, what's going on? Like what's happening?" And it was still like a really really good day. It was that was my moment. Other people had moments like that a lot more Often at training, but yeah. I only had like that one time where. where that's that interesting
0: that down. it came during anatomy lecture. Yeah, yeah. Was, most people get it while Bikram's yelling. Yeah, no, it was the ob- it was
1: totally unexpected, and that's what I was trying to like while I was going through it. I was all like, "What's the matter with you, loot Like, it's just fucking bone <laughs> marrow. Like, 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 calm down. <laughs> Everyone has it. It. Like, It's alright." But yeah, it was a real specific moment I remember.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Um. What uh, so after training, you and I both did the competition at the same time. Oh. did you do you remember that? Yes yeah, you remember that? <laughs> And you <laughs> wound up going to nationals. Yeah, didn't you? I took
1: third in New York and then fourteenth uh, for the guys at Nationals. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me about, how how did you approach competing? Because sometimes people will talk to me and be like, you used to compete in yoga. And I was like, I did the yoga competition once. <laughs> There's a very big difference just, between uh, competing being Competing a... in yoga and doing <laughs> the competition. Yeah. Like so during the competition, all the girls were lined up to practice on stage to feel like the stage and to get used to the space. And Patrick Lynch walks in, just in his jeans... Eating potato chips and just sits down in the auditorium and is just like, I think that looks very good, Alisa. Whereas everyone else is like freaking out already in their leotard. He's just like, Well, I suppose I should get ready. And I was like, I wish I was more like him right
1: now. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) But like I just did it to kind of further my practice. I wasn't trying to Yeah,
1: I remember I remember having fun with you, like like that year, yeah. I remember, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I cried in private. <laughs>
0: it's okay. I've just accepted that that you're gonna slam the table. Yeah, I, it's it's how
1: I roll. So you, should, you shouldn't have a table here. Like if you really didn't want someone to slam it. Well, a week like, ago, I, I didn't. <laughs> Touche. Okay. But, uh, but yoga competition, like. I was at the forefront of of the yoga competition when it first started. So the you, very
0: you've competed before, yeah. Right? The very that the, the very first, first
1: year I competed that we okay. did competition in New York, and that was and back it was, when it, was, was, when it, was <laughs> it was when it was really low key. We did it at the yoga studio. Everyone was like chilling on the floor. Rajasri was there. It was yeah. a it was a really really like intimate thing. Mm-hmm. But but I could also tell that it was gonna. Propel and grow and become something much bigger, just from that point on. So that that year there was just three of us competing for guys. So she I took third that year too. You, Adam. <laughs> it, was, it was me and Adam and uh, Anatole, who I don't know where he is now. He was like an amazing like, Thai teacher. He was, oh, he was cool. really, really quiet and really, really spiritual and, like, everything you want your yoga teacher to be. Like. Yeah. But then... <laughs> not loud and brash and full of language and drinking beer. But, like, So not me. But that's okay. what I want my yoga teacher yeah. to be. So, but most people are looking more for Anatole <laughs> yeah. and less for that. But so I did it that year and... I've always had the Bikram community like in my ear, like telling me, oh, you need to be a teacher and oh, you need to compete. And and I'm really perceptible. So I often listen to what people tell me to do. Mm -hmm. And and that's what happened. So I competed that year and Mm -hmm. did it. And then a few years later, I became a teacher because a lot of people were telling me I should become a teacher. Mm -hmm. I think they tell that to everybody, though, who practices like regularly after a while. Like, like it's time to go to teacher training. Yeah, it's maybe time to, it's time to go. And then, and then you think like, oh, I'm special. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's time. Well, you, you
0: want to know what made me feel good about it, if I may. Uh, I decided that I was going to go to teacher training my last semester of college, which was in Germany. And I went and took one class in Berlin. I took like in the six months leading up to teacher training, I took five <laughs> classes in six months. Like, I wasn't practicing at all because I wasn't living near a studio. But I went to Berlin. And I took there, and the woman was like, you need to go to teacher training, like, right now. And she didn't know me, and I was like, oh, good, because I was thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, we had never met before. So I was like, it's a sign. But, yeah, anyways, that's me. <laughs> Enough about you. Back to me. <laughs> back no, I'm, to you. I'm just, I'm just... You. <laughs> so, sorry. I get really excited sometimes. <laughs> but after,
1: after, after competition came back again when I did it with you that year. Yeah like i found that to be a really really beautiful year mm-hmm. like i don't know i found our regional competition that year it was it, it had grown to the point where it was big and we had press and it was really interesting and 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 it wasn't so intense though like like no. i felt like everybody who was competing maybe it was just my perception but i felt like everybody had each other's back and it was all like we were all just doing our thing and like you said you were practicing to compete for yourself yeah. and that was really the the theme and the underlying energy that i got at that point which was beautiful. I thought it was great. Yeah, going to nationals was a little different. Like,
0: tell me about nationals.
1: It was a total shit show. Like, it was <laughs> out of control. Like, and it's gotten different. It's gotten better. It's gotten bigger, and everything since then. I'm sure. But it, things evolve and they change. When I was at nationals, I felt like somebody was going to come and Tanya Harding my ass in the, in the green room. Like, really? it really felt that that competitive and that. Uh, Antagonistic. It didn't. Yeah, it was not a supportive environment for me. I was really stressed. It was a lot of. uh, It didn't feel as, as supportive and as beautiful as as getting up on stage and sharing as it did at the regional level. But but it was cool. I learned a lot. It was interesting.
0: At the regional level, were you were you thinking you might win? Like I went in knowing
1: I wasn't. Like I wasn't. No, no. I totally blew my mind that I took yeah. third like I am the least prepared of any yogi like I, w- I didn't do anything to get ready like I was pretty much like I actually shared that bag of chips with Patrick and then, <laughs> I, and then, I, and then I went on stage no but but I mean I really I mean I, I practiced a little bit but I didn't I really didn't stress at all, like, mm-hmm. and that's why I did well. That's why I do well in anything. When I don't stress, I do much better in everything. Like, oh, I that's that morning, the before I took point. third, I took I took a bath, I smoked a big joint before the competition, and then I I like came and and went on stage and did my best and smiled and had a great time. Oh, and, that's awesome. And took third. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah.
0: Oh, good for you. I remember because I was like, oh, I have to be. Like strict today, which is a horrible idea, and Kyoko and I went to the competition together, and she's like, let's go get coffee and a bagel. And yeah. I was like, we can do that? <laughs> I thought I wouldn't have coffee today. And she was like, if you drink coffee every day, you need to have coffee today.
1: <laughs> I love Kyoko. <laughs> she's so good.
0: I haven't seen her in a while. She came and
1: took my class on this past week. It was yeah. great to see her. Ah,
0: she's yeah. wonderful. She won that year in the women's division.
1: Yeah, she's a freak. Yeah, like but, but <laughs> I just, mean, she was a gymnast as a child. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you compete against people like that, yeah. but but she's beautiful.
0: When I don't stress, I do better at everything. That's what Luke said, and I'm the same way actually. And I just wish I could remember that in those moments where I'm stressing out. But he's got a good handle on things, you know. He's always has a positive outlook as is clear by the way he talks and his whole philosophy of don't take things too seriously. Up next, we start talking a little bit about his performance life, which is very cool. He's an incredible singer. He's just started to write his own music this year and uh, we plug it at the end of the podcast, but I just want to say it now. Uh, He's on the YouTube uh, for those of you who are into the YouTube, but his YouTube page is Daniel Luke. So if you go there, you can see Uh, Some of his songs and listen to them So maybe take a break from the podcast And go listen to him now Or listen to him at the end of the podcast We were actually going to put one of his songs At the end of the podcast Instead of playing classical music But it didn't work out We couldn't get the mp3 in time And all that But uh, you can go to YouTube And uh, if you're not doing that Let's go ahead and listen to What is next so, you do yoga, but you also um, are a performer.
1: hmm How's
0: that going for you?
1: Well, I've been an actor and a singer my whole life, so yeah. some days it goes better than others, <laughs> but you, you always are what you are, and yeah. you can't really change it. So, it's been good. I just finished doing a competition at the Stonewall Inn.
0: Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit on the ride over. Did you... I like it. This is this episode is going to be just Luke competes. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about all the competitions you've ever had. I'm done. really
1: not a competitive person at all either, but somehow like I get drawn well, to this sh- stuff. You like,
0: just strike me as a person who's like, Oh well, yeah, sure, why not do that's that? That's exactly pretty like much fun. how it goes. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. That's how I got in this one too. Like I was I I actually needed the same. And didn't
0: you say you came in third for this one? I came in third for this
1: one, too. Yes. I never go past third. Like, I'm I'm really... But you get to third. I'm really happy to be number three. I'm worried about my ego getting too big if I go further. So I always, like, hold myself back a little bit. And just like, yeah, let's just do three. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's perfect. But same thing for this. Like, I didn't prepare for this competition. I didn't... uh, I didn't even know how long it was gonna go or what, what it was exactly do. did
0: you have to do for it? You said it was a singing competition. It was, it was set up
1: like American Idol or The Voice, yeah. but in a bar. Like we had to sing every week. And as it progressed And one person went home Every week We had to sing more And do two songs Did they songs. have
0: dramatic Lining and sounds When yes, everyone was they did
1: everything And a snarky was panel that of really judges it Was really annoying really Really Because annoying. the
0: Stonewall Is such a cool Intimate space I'm never going there again No I'm just
1: <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean I spent so much money And time there Over the past three months That, that I've really given My part to gay rights Like yeah. I've done it Like if sucking a cock Wasn't enough Like I have paid my dues to the Stonewall Inn. <laughs> like,
0: Thanks for the riots. Now I've done my yeah, time. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But I really, I needed to sing. Like I had to in February when they were having auditions for this. I, I had a really bad news.
0: Can I ask what that was? You, you don't have to. Yeah, say. no, it's
1: no problem at all. Notice, I, I, I'd come back from a vacation in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and and as soon as I got back to New York, I just. The shit hit the fan. All mm. these things started going down. There was financial problems. There was uh, people dying. Mm. And I had just gotten some news of, of a friend of mine who passed away that morning. Oh. And, and I was just bummed out. And yeah. when I'm bummed out, I, I almost always need to get on stage. Like It's usually the best therapy for me is to, yeah. is to go and perform and just give and, and do that for other people. It always helps me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I knew I needed to sing that night. And I was like, I'm in New York, where can I go sing? And I was walking down in the village and they were having auditions for season 15 of Stonewall Sensation.
0: Season 15?
1: Yeah. Do
0: they do one a year or do they do two a year? They do
1: one a year. This shit has been going on forever. Wow. Yeah, it's really out of control. Okay. someone needs to stop I didn't realize it was <laughs> yeah. that big of a thing again, the I didn't either, was I didn't a, realize like... I'd never heard of it but, but you know, season 15 not yeah. too late, so I auditioned and I got in and, and then yada 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 it led to the, being stuck there for <laughs> the rest of my life <laughs> until, until it just ended a few weeks ago and, and I took third place
0: very cool, do you have any other performing things coming up? Like uh, Or do you just let it happen when it happens?
1: I pretty much just let it happen. I've been focusing a lot on my music this year. So yeah. I, I produced a show of my own music that I wrote in in May. And then I'm getting back in the studio You to were record. workshopping that before I left. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really, go. really good. A lot of my music has come together this year. So it's been a, a real treat to perform and, and do stuff that's really intimate for me. Because, I don't know, as a performer my whole life, I've always been on stage. And I've always been singing. And I've always been doing other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is great, but you're you're hiding behind that, mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't mind hiding at all. I'm great at hiding. <laughs> I was really, really good at it as a kid too but But at some point to step out from from hiding and to really really show yourself is is a whole different kind of performing, and that's what I'm finding doing my music, which has been interesting, it's different,
0: cool. Uh, what what in what got you to start writing yourself? Like it's just a totally different ballgame.
1: Yeah, you know, I've always written myself. I just never oh, shared yeah? it. Oh. Like it was just for me. It was like therapy. Uh-huh. So performing f- for uh, for other people, yeah, it's for me. But it's been also for other people. I knew mm-hmm. I had talent. I knew I had uh, a gift to be able to share, and I, I figured that out really early as mm-hmm. a kid. And so I quickly realized, oh, I can I can improve people's lives by. By performing and giving my energy to them, but performing my stuff is yeah, it's it's really different. So this year, it's been just stepping out and like trying to to show show that to people, and it's been cool. The response has been great. That's been awesome. Fun. Yeah.
0: When are are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do anything before I leave? <laughs>
1: uh Doubtful, but who knows? Maybe. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I've I've been working with a lot of other musicians, which is cool because especially on Bikram Yoga Harlem, there's so many wow, other musicians so many. there. Yeah. And. Doing this competition, even though it was like soul sucking, like I, I was able to collaborate with a bunch of people. So it were was you awesome. singing
0: pop covers?
1: Everything. Everything. We had a different theme every week. We had to do disco night. We had to do 80s night. So did they have a live band with you? Night. We you had a live accompanist. Okay. And then we could bring in other musicians as we okay. wanted, which nobody did except for me. Really? <laughs> like, Good for you. Yeah, like I brought in a different person almost every week. Like I was always working with different musicians. You did
0: it like, for three like, months, you said? Yeah. And it was every week for every three months? Every yeah. Wow. That's...
1: It was a haul. Yeah. <laughs> was a, and I'm, a different song every I'm week. I'm really glad it's over. Yeah, but then it became two songs and three songs every week. So Oh, because it got less yeah, and less. Yeah, and it just took so much work. It was a lot of Did you already have a lot of it
0: in your repertoire? No, or you... it was
1: all new stuff for me, except, I mean, one or two songs here or there that I'd done before, but I tried to do new stuff. I tried to learn new stuff, and that's mm-hmm. why it was so stressful, because as it got busier and busier, it was like the whole week revolved around... Oh my gosh, I have to come up with three new arrangements For these three songs I have to find out who I'm working with I have to come up with costumes I have to figure out And there's you know, there's nobody helping you at all to do it mm-hmm. And we only got ten minutes to prepare um, With the accompanist too It wasn't like we had a big rehearsal Before each performance every week It was just like
0: It sounds like you put more into it Than a lot of other people Like if I was in the situation you were in I would not have hired outside
1: You know what it is though? Is that we were we're in a bar Yeah And I felt I felt like it was my responsibility to give the people in the bar uh, a show. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't just going to get up and sing a song. Mm hmm Which is great, and it's a singing competition, and that's what they want you to do, but if I'm in a bar watching a show, I don't, want to sit there and watch a bunch of freaking singers just get up and sing a song like it's
0: basically like an open mic at yeah Stonewall. like
1: I, i'm not yeah i wasn't into that like, piano I, bar like I, I was really really trying to be considerate to the people in the bar like i was mm-hmm. like they deserve a show they deserve to see somebody put an effort into something mm-hmm. like so i made sure i was taking my clothes off i made Good. sure i was working with other the musicians i made i it. made sure that that there was a lot of things to titillate people and keep yeah. them going so Aww. yeah i'm considerate you are. You're welcome. You are. Yeah.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Do you are you vegan or vegetarian no, or anything? No, I was. You were? Yeah. For how New long one. were you? I Which was one?
1: vegetarian for uh, from the time I moved to New York at 18 years old uh-huh. till I was 22
0: what made that's around when i stopped doing it mm-hmm. i did the exact same thing like 18 to 22 i liked
1: it i was happy i really could have kept going but then i'm married a brazilian and i went no. to germany <laughs> they, and it all... they don't even have a word for vegetarianism in portuguese <laughs> <laughs> i don't think like they <laughs> does lino do a lot of the cooking yeah and <laughs> you're cooks, like i'm a vegetarian he cooks, he's like it's fun it, it has cooks pork really in it. good too like, oh i bet uh, it's all meat all the time yeah like and there's usually like four grains and, mm-hmm. and then maybe, maybe like a little tiny vegetable <laughs> once a week, like on the side. <laughs> like, but that's it. And so you, I learned quickly. I was like, if you want to eat this good food, then you should start eating meat. And yes. it's good. My body responds well to meat, too. So good. yeah. by the time I went to teacher training, thank God, because I needed all the meat I could get there. Yeah. Like I stuffed my face for nine weeks. Yeah. Stop.
0: Well, yeah, I don't think I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the podcast is how how much you're physically working at teacher training, that your entire diet just completely changes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm already just practicing regularly. I have to eat all the time anyway Mm -hmm. because it's my body type. Like doing Bikram yoga three or four or five times a week, I, I have to eat. All the time, no. and a teacher training. That, teaching eight times a teacher week. training that was magnified. Yeah, yeah, it was just like twice away Like I literally had to stuff my face from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed. And sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and eat something too, just oh, because yeah. I would be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> Like I just, I had like eight chicken sandwiches that I would steal from the from from the from the buffet in the morning, yeah. and I would like make them up every day. My eight sandwiches for the day. See, <laughs> I, you
0: guys <laughs> lucked out because by the time we got to Acapulco, they really cracked down on the buffet. They're like, you. Guys guys aren't allowed to steal food from the buffet. Yeah, we then, really killed it for you. Yeah, like, yeah. we Like, we, we ruined it
1: in the spring for you guys in the fall. <laughs> because,
0: we, because we were like, people did last in the spring, and they're like, we know. Yeah.
1: And they had those those uh things with the juice. Remember? Like, oh the, yeah! Like we would like literally fill up like gallon jugs of the green juice in the morning. Like we'd come out and just be like, and the people be like, "What? What's going on here?" It was
0: <laughs> like it's complimentary. You didn't say I can only take. But come 16. on, that buffet was amazing,
1: right? It was so good. Like we, like people were bitching and moaning about the food, and I really? wanted to smack them so hard. I was like. They're bitching about a lot of things at teacher training. And that's what I couldn't understand. It's like you're all taking yourselves way too seriously. We're living in a pyramid. Yeah. We're on the ocean. There's a flamingo running around. Yeah. Like there's a huge buffet. There's a woman making you fresh tortillas every morning. Yeah. Like at her tortilla station. Like like what are you bitching about? Like even like, oh, your body hurts. Oh, mm-hmm. you have a little rash. Oh, you miss your home. Like what, what like, get over it. Yeah. Like, seriously. It's a once in a lifetime thing. I thought it was the biggest blessing, the biggest blessing ever.
0: Would you ever go back
1: to training?
0: Yeah, like as a as a helper. Absolutely, teacher, yeah. I'd love
1: to. It's going to be in New Jersey in the fall. No way, Did you know that? No, yeah.
0: It's so it's not going to be in Thailand. No, anymore?
1: he's going from Thailand to Atlantic City because <laughs> that's how we move he up is. in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, only Bikram Chowdhury yeah. could make this. Call. <laughs> like,
0: Honestly, though, it's it's about time he has it on the east coast there's so many I oh like, it's gonna be great i th- yeah. i
1: hope that a lot of people who never got to meet him i hope they go and take his class at training yeah i hope they do at least take a day trip or something i think it'd be awesome a lot of students who have never been able to connect with him i i mean let's face it a lot of people don't have a lot to do with bikram yeah. like even if they practice the yoga like he doesn't have a lot to do with their life like they're doing the yoga they're living yeah. their life they don't think about it but it's such a cool thing to have that lineage still yeah. And a lot of people don't have that. They don't have that 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 person around still anymore and we can still connect with him mm-hmm. regardless of how you feel about him. Like I was going still... to say,
0: are you are you pro Bikram or or <sighs> he's a complicated man.
1: I never needed Bikram to be anything more than he is. Yeah. Which I'm eternally grateful to him. He's changed my life in exponential ways. Everything changed and all all for the better. My life got better, my health got better. My career changed. My attitude changed. My relationship changed, and so I always will thank him for that. Mm-hmm. But I never needed them to be a god. I never needed them to be uh, this amazing guru. Mm-hmm. Like he is my guru. He's my teacher. But I. But he's he's a man. Like he mm-hmm. he shits. He fucks. He drinks. He, like like there's he's no different than any other person in that regard like mm-hmm. which is brilliant i think that human beings are incredible yeah and he's an incredible human being but no does that mean he's uh, infallible or, or perfect or really really good all the time no mm-hmm. no definitely not but i am eternally grateful to him and i have nothing but respect and love for him so
0: oh that's good that's nice to hear
1: so you're pro Bikram too then? <laughs> no, I am, but uh, like
0: at the same time. Well, I, before I went to a conference before I ever became a teacher, um, and I was so excited to meet him, and everyone was like, "Just take him with a grain of salt," yeah. just because he's a well, he's a sixty-year-old Indian man who has
1: very old-fashioned values. Exactly. So
0: I don't know. When I went to he's teach-
1: offensive as fuck too, yeah. and I but I I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm like I'm not. I, I need that in people I need to be able to laugh And that's what I mean About not to, not taking yourself So seriously That goes yeah. right along With Big Bikram Chowdhury Like he doesn't Take himself seriously At all Yeah like, he, he lives for the show And lives to get a rise Out of people And lives to cause a, a scene And to push buttons mm-hmm. And really really Like get people fired up And then that's exactly Like what's attractive About him He's a yeah. really charismatic guy
0: Hey guys, big news. Um, I just figured out how to get Luke's song to play at the end of this podcast. So I could go back and edit that little section where I said we tried, but we couldn't get it in the right uh, conversion and blah, blah, blah. I could go back and change that. But I'll be honest, it sounds like just a few minutes have passed for you. It has been hours for me. So I don't feel like doing that. But you get to hear uh, Luke's song at the end of this podcast, 11th Avenue. I'm very excited. And uh, yeah, here just then we got a little into uh, the gossipy part of yoga. I hope you enjoyed that. Up next, we talk a little bit about Luke's other yoga practice because his husband is actually a yoga teacher, but of a different discipline. I just want to thank you guys real quick for going on iTunes and taking the time to rate and review the podcast. It's showing one review so far, which is uh, from my sister, Allison Shimon, who lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and not San Francisco. As I said before, which I totally know, just sometimes I trip over my own words as I'm talking. But um, thank you guys so much. I don't know why they aren't all showing up right now. I'm trying to figure that out. But it really means a lot that you guys have taken the time to do that. And if you haven't done that and you are a listener and you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate and review. And yeah, that's it. So let's get back into it. Here's more of Luke. And your husband is also a yoga
1: instructor. Yes. What
0: what type of yoga does Lino teach?
1: Well, he's now being referred to as Arjun the Aquarian. Really? Yeah, this is new. <laughs> I just found out this week.
2: But, but do you but have to call him? Your
1: I don't know if I have to. I don't think I do. Hopefully not. But but that's that's easy. He teaches Kundalini yoga. Okay. Yeah.
0: Tell me tell me about. Do you take his class? Yeah,
1: he's a great teacher. Does
0: he ever take your class? <laughs> Once
1: every two years, maybe, or so. Not
0: a fan of the vikram yoga?
1: He, he comes and says he loves it, but uh, he kvetches k- 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 and moans the whole way through. And uh, yeah, he's that he's that guy in class who's all like, oh my god, another posture, oh, oh another set, oh shit, well, up again, down again, <laughs> oh my god. And he's like literally talking the whole time. he <laughs> like, shut uh, like just, just, just look in the mirror and start breathing. Like shut up and start work. But but he's good. He's good.
0: Tell me a little bit about Kundalini because I've never actually practiced it before.
1: Kundalini yoga is amazing. It's a really really good yoga. Mm-hmm. It's uh was brought to the West by Yogi Bhajan, mm-hmm. and I find it really really complements my Bikram practice really really well. It's all about unleashing energy From your lower spine So you have it coiled like a snake there And kundalini yoga is a really fast-tracked way To release it So all yoga is releasing that energy Whether mm-hmm. it's vinyasa, ashtanga, Bikram. It doesn't matter what you're practicing The goal is to raise, raise consciousness Raise energy, raise awareness Bring it up from the lower areas Where you're just fucking and eating To the higher areas where you're feeling And thinking mm-hmm. and, and accessing Your higher power But Kundalini Yoga is like a fast track process for that. So the work you do in Kundalini Yoga, which is different every time depending on on the day and the Kriya and the set you're working on, Mm -hmm. but it's always with that goal. So it's like a real kriya is a is a set of 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 exercises, Mm -hmm. whether it's asana and meditation and breathing exercise put together into a set. Mm -hmm. So it's called a kriya.
0: Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So like what's give me an example of a kriya.
1: Uh, Well they're different So they can be really Like in
0: Kundalini What's, what's an example of something So you're have... always
1: working Really specifically In Kundalini Yoga So the Kriyas are all Set for a very specific thing Whether it's The Kriya to release Childhood anger Mm -hmm. or the Kriya to strengthen your uh, inner vitality or to awaken your sexual deity or the Kriya to just build a stronger foundation or the Kriya to strengthen your back or the Kriya to let go or whatever. It's a Mm -hmm. wide, wide, wide spectrum of different areas you can target and different things you can work on. And it's really specific. That's what I like about it. It is very specific. And usually when you're working in Kundalini Yoga, like... Like, I don't know, I, for example, I was practicing the kriya to release childhood anger, and I I thought I had released all my childhood anger. Like, I really didn't think there was anything left to release, and yeah. I was like, whatever, whatever, I'll just do this little kriya, no problem, and no joke, like, halfway through, like, shit, a torrent of childhood anger came, like, really? rushing out. I was like, holy fuck, where did this come from? Because I didn't even know that was in there, and it, and it really, really, it's how it always goes with kundalini yoga, it's really effective it just targets things in a real specific way
0: that's awesome so how often do you practice kundalini Mm,
1: I I, like a couple times a month i try to yeah
0: and then how often are you doing your bikram practice Mm -hmm. right now
1: i'm about like three to five times a week
0: that's good and you teach eight times a week Mm -hmm. because we were talking about that about how i feel like after about three years people step back and they don't teach Eight to ten classes a week. As
1: it's a I lot. said
0: before we started, I was like, "You're one of the few who are keep, keep going." It's a lot of
1: heat. Let's but, be honest. Yeah. Like you know, you're freaking in that room. Like, and as much as I like to eat, like, <laughs> I still don't eat enough. like yeah. to, to take care of all of that heat that's going on in life. So, so I can see why people step back. Like, yeah. It gets you can burn out really fast. Am
0: I? Is that true though, or is it just my imagination that people, a lot of people, take a step no,
1: back? No, 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 I think it's really true. I'm mean, not everybody, obviously. It's a general right. thing, but I think a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really feel it. I feel it over the years, like especially with teachers. Yeah, you come in, you teach a lot, you burn out, and you step back. But you know, most teachers are doing other things as well. Yeah, like I never wanted to be a Bikram teacher. Yeah. I never planned on becoming a Bikram teacher. And when I became a Bikram teacher, I didn't want to only be a Bikram teacher from that point on. It was always just something that feeds the rest of me yeah, in a really wonderful way. Like my Bikram yoga practice propels me into activism, propels me into performance, propels me into everything else that I do in life. So it just is like a springboard for me. So that's, that's why I beautiful. keep going.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if you can tell, but I'm sort of looking for validation for cutting back on teaching uh, when I did, which I got about three years in, and I was like, well, enough of that. Um, if if you do want to take my class, because I do still teach, I will be at Bikram Yoga Harlem uh, this coming Friday on the 26th at 6.30 p.m. and on the 27th. Uh, At 10 a.m. on the Saturday. So if you're in New York and you've thought about taking Bikram yoga or you're part of the Bikram yoga Harlem community or part of the just if you want to take class, that's when I'll be teaching. And of course, Luke teaches all over the city, Um, but he's always good at like updating that on his FB and all that. So you can check out his classes. Whenever, I don't know, look them up. Do some research yourself. I can't do everything for you people. But, um, yeah, so this next part of the podcast, it's my favorite part. Because we start talking about Luke's Greenpeace activism. Which I always knew he did, but I can't... uh, I'm just in awe of... I just think it's so cool and we get more in detail about it than I've ever heard him talk about it. And he's like, yeah, no big deal, but you know, sometimes I just climb a crane to save the world. It's really cool. So uh, let's get right into it. And maybe I'll see you guys in class. And of course, all my shows are on Abigailion.com. Don't forget about the end of the month, the 28th and 29th at the Creek in the Cave. Okay, let's do it. What type of activism work have you been doing? Are you still climbing buildings?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) All the time. (laughs) I've been working with Greenpeace for uh, almost 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, been a ride. (laughs) (laughs) It's another thing I never thought I would do. I had no intention to become an activist. Yeah. It just sort of happened.
0: Talk about what type of stuff you do for Greenpeace, because I think it's super cool.
1: Well... When I first started working for Greenpeace, it was as a fundraiser, mm-hmm. and it was in a really cold winter here in New York, mm-hmm. and they were just looking for people to raise money for them, like, with clipboards on the street. Mm-hmm. You've run into them before, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. really annoying people who are yeah. like, please give them a minute to stop, and you're like, no, and they're like, yes, and you're like, <laughs> you're and you're like, like no, really? leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> so I was one of them, and I was really good at it, mm-hmm. but I only wanted to do it for, like, until I had money. Like, I had no connection to Greenpeace. I had no desire to really, like, do anything about it. In fact, my family had warned me to avoid, like, liberals and and Greenpeace people, (laughs) like, from the time I was a little boy. like, my mom was all like, you watch out for those greasy liberals. Like, they're going to get you.
2: And And they got you. And they got me really bad.
1: (laughs) Like, it was horrible. So, like, I was working this job for two months, just trying to raise money, like, for myself and just trying to put my life together. Mm -hmm. And there was this really freaky guy in the office who was trying to get me to come to a meeting mm-hmm. like to to learn more about Greenpeace and to become more involved and and he was totally frightening. He had like a huge big afro with beads in his hair. It was like everything that I was warned about. Like and and he tried for weeks and weeks and weeks to get me to come to a Greenpeace meeting. I kept telling him like leave me alone dude. We're not friends. Like I don't want to come to your little meeting. Like just but I finally caved and I went to the meeting and and then that was just a slippery slope from there. It didn't take long. Within two weeks I was on a boat in the East River Uh, Holding up a sign protesting the Iraq war, like in front of the UN, like in the middle of a snowstorm, and my hands were numb. And then a month later, I was in Texas, uh, shutting down ExxonMobil's global headquarters in a tiger suit, getting strangled by a security guard. Like, it was, it really went like really fast from that point on. And because the footage that went out to the media from that action in Texas looked so good for Greenpeace, they started using me a lot more after that. Oh so, yeah, yeah. That was what started my Greenpeace career. Really, they they trained me to climb. They trained me to uh, be a police liaison and work in nonviolent direct action and all different.
2: Uh, oh, what's
1: facets. a
0: police liaison? I don't even.
1: The know person who who. Talks deals the with believers. the police while people are doing illegal activities, try, trying to Look maintain, trying to maintain here. a sense of, of of communication and keep the channels open yeah. and and make sure that they're not distracting the activists from their death-defying work like, okay. by going on. So it was good. I honestly, I never ever thought I would get the skills I got from them. So yeah. it's a real amazing thing. I've always loved to climb on stuff, but to have the backing of an organization behind you telling you that they'll pay you to climb on stuff and mm-hmm. that they will uh, help you to climb on stuff and that it, you're going to be doing it for a good cause. That's just like a win-win-win for my book.
0: So. And the reason why they pay you to climb on stuff is because it's essentially a publicity stunt to create awareness of a issue? Well,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, nonviolent direct action has a long history, way before Greenpeace. Yeah, But Greenpeace has really, really brought it into the 20th century. And there's not too many organizations that are still applying it in the way that they have with as much backing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important. I think it's really important to stand up to power. I think that it's really important to, uh, to break the law. I think it's really important. Have you to been arrested? Many times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always more fun than the last. (laughs) Every time. Each time just warms my heart. No, I hate going to jail, but (laughs) but I will go to jail like for the right, for the right thing. I absolutely will. It doesn't bother me at all.
0: Have they ever asked you to do something where you were like, I just don't feel like that's
1: my cause? You you know, not so much the cause, but I have to feel really, really supported by the people I'm working with Mm. and the environment that I'm in. So if I don't feel really good about that, then then I'll back out. Which I haven't had too many causes to, but there was one point in Italy we were doing an action when the G8 was in session there, mm-hmm. and we were shutting down all these power plants all around Italy simultaneously. How
0: do you shut down a power we plant? We had
1: all these different activists from all over the world who flew in, and we trained for just a couple of days before we deployed to do it, and so there was people hanging from cranes, and people uh, infiltrating bridges, and people... Climbing fences and basically just trying to shine a spotlight on on the climate change issue while the G eight was in session, there, uh-huh. which you know they didn't really do shit, <laughs> but but we tried. Yeah. And I remember at that point the there was an action coordinator who's the guy in charge of the whole action at that yeah. point, and he was a little he was a little off. He was a little like off the rails. He was really really gung ho about like doing it, and it was a big action, but
2: Sounds there wasn't
1: like a lot of preparation that which normally we would have had like here in the States, they're really, really, really clear about everything before you do it. You have really great legal briefings, really great campaign briefings, really great preparation. And in this case, there was just a little bit less preparation. Mm-hmm. And by the time people were doing really dangerous stuff, it started to get a little, a little iffy for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. So then uh, it was good that we backed, backed out of that. Like we did, we deployed for a while. Like I was hanging from a crane for a few days and there was a lot of work that happened, but but it wasn't it wasn't as well prepared as it should have been, so mm-hmm. that was one case but but generally speaking, no Greenpeace is awesome, and they've always kept me really well prepared and really well informed and they've taken great care of me and everyone else I've worked with Very after, cool. yeah all the way through the process from
0: how often do you? Are you deployed for? No, <laughs> I never know. A, it I sounds never know. so weird. Yeah.
1: I, I love to work for them, but it's literally like a phone call. <laughs> like, yeah, so sometimes like, twice a year, sometimes once a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can be, I mean, it depends on, on how much uh, availability you have in your life, and it yeah. depends on how much arrestability you have in your record. So, like, if I have something that I did a year ago that I'm still on probation for. Then they can't really use me in the same role as I normally would be used for. You know, there's other yeah. roles like I can help out in other ways, depending on how much energy and time I have. But I like to climb. I like to. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing to do for them. So that usually means you get arrested, and it usually means you go to jail. So that usually means a little bit of recovery time <laughs> as you deal with the legal process yeah. that that unfolds after that. And so wait,
0: how many times it. have you been arrested? I feel like One I asked two, it, but it didn't two, get three, answered. Four.
1: Well, for Greenpeace or in general? <laughs> like, oh well yeah, for, <laughs> for how about for Greenpeace? For Greenpeace it's been uh, five times now. Five times. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. And then you're on probation for a year afterwards?
1: Uh, it depends. It depends. It depends, yeah. Have exactly. you been arrested well, I mean, in I, several the, different the, states? Yeah, the first time I was arrested in Texas was a really horrible 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 thing. I mean, it was good, like it was a beautiful action, it was it came out well, but I I was a. Uh, strangled by this security guard, but he was older, like 65 years old, but he was a retired Navy SEAL, and he was certainly not, like, older. Yeah. But, but he was technically over 65, and so, but he was strangling me, and while he was strangling me, he hit the back of his hand on a wall. Uh-huh. And so one of the charges I was given was assault. aggravated assault of an elderly person which that looks great on a record right like people people think you're going around beating up old people all the time like and that just wasn't the case at all and that took about 2 years for them to get that expunged we had a big long court case and big, greenpeace
0: took care of getting that expunged yeah yeah That's yeah it was just great. a long
1: process like and there was international activists there for that too so there were people who had to come back from from other countries over the 2 year process back to texas and we had to meet up again and go to court there and then even after we got it expunged from our record and dropped, thank goodness that charge was dropped because that would have been a bad felony for me to have. Then... There would was, you have had to was, go to jail? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a really oh, wow. serious charges at that point if they'd have gone through. So that's why it was a little nerve wracking at that yeah. point. But but since then, no. They always do a really good job. They've got a great legal team and, and really smart people who work there. So go Greenpeace. <laughs> you guys should all sign up. $15 a month. <laughs> Save the planet. Save the planet. <laughs> Save. Help lose time shit. I, I do, exactly. That's literally where that money goes, though. Yeah. So I always tell people like, like when you are signing up, whether it's a one-time donation or whether it's a monthly, does it doesn't matter. Like that money literally does go to to supporting the work that I do. So mm-hmm. like it that like it it buys my training, buys my plane ticket, buys my food, like and and puts me on a crane somewhere. <laughs> so
0: in your training yeah. creates awareness of certain issues around the world.
1: Yeah, really really great stuff. I mean, I've a lot of times you're fighting against things like that are really really hard to to grasp like yeah. climate change, you know, like what do you you know, how do you fight climate change? Like, whatever. <laughs> I'll go
0: hang on a crane for uh, you. Yes. Yeah, but other
1: times that I've worked, there's been really concrete things that have that have happened as a result of it. Like, so when we shut down a power plant in the south side of Chicago a few years ago, it was in a really poor neighborhood where all of the kids were sick with asthma and respiratory problems from this power plant. Yeah. And they'd been trying for 10 years to get the city to listen to them, to get the state to listen to them, just to, somebody to listen to them and say, shut this thing down, please. Like, it's just because we're poor that you're not listening to us. And this would never happen in, in a rich neighborhood, you know? And so to go there and it wasn't just Greenpeace, like they pulled together a lot of different groups, but Greenpeace was large enough to bring the media spotlight. And so the media spotlight that was shown when we did this action was enough to get the ball rolling. And within six months that plant was closed and the city closed down. Yeah. And this, and that just came down to just this community being so Grateful, like yeah. they're like our kids just want to be able to go to school without getting sick. Yeah. Like, like and it and was were just, you involved in that yeah, action? Yeah. What did you What did you do? For I that action? I was an anchor for somebody ha- rappelling off of a bridge mm-hmm. while other people were climbing a smokestack to to stop the plant from working. So it was yeah, it was something tangible. It's like we went, we made this happen, we got a result, and this community is better for it. Oh, so cool. so that was that's cool, you know. And same thing also. I worked in Papua New Guinea f- a few years ago, and they sent me to. Work with the tribes Like the cannibals In the middle of the rainforest
0: Good thing they you're spent like, skinny and shit. Yeah right They weren't <laughs> interested
1: in me at all <laughs> like, but, but it was like weeks and weeks and weeks Of just, just moving through the rainforest With these tribal people and, and they were learning to demarcate their land And we were helping them with the GPS system And then once they had it mapped Then the government could start recognizing it for them And once it was able to be recognized as their traditional tribal lands, then they would have a lot more rights over it because before or up until recently, what's been happening is people just go in and they end up shamming them and buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of land for like a six pack of beer. Yeah. Like something that literally that small. So the more power that these people have in their communities, the more power they have to protect their trees and protect the rainforest, which concerns all of us you know it doesn't matter if you live there or not it's the air that we breathe so so that was another thing it was tangible it was real they we also trained them to start an eco forestry project so it was like this community learning how to mill timber themselves and get the money for the timber mm-hmm. and bring that money back to their community as opposed to selling all of their trees to a logging corporation for nothing and everybody loses yeah know? so it was that's another thing it was just good it was good to work on something tangible yeah and not just some big you know thing Idea. yeah that you can't always feel successful about fighting against because
0: are those uh what's your favorite project that you've worked on are those the two or is there another one oh where... there's
1: been so many really cool things but there's a
0: plastic bag just floating speak speaking of greenpeace it's so american beauty it. yeah it's so, <laughs> it's so intense that's so,
1: it's really beautiful it's just like but urban but urban <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it, like make no
0: mistake I don't think that was a balloon I think no, that was, was a def- plastic bag def- definitely def- not
1: a balloon and I live on a sixth <laughs> floor de- it's definitely not a balloon <laughs>
2: <laughs> but anyways no no it's just
1: been a ride like, like I said I never planned on it I never had a desire to be an activist but, but, but becoming one became so inspiring mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with teaching yoga like I never planned on it I never wanted to I didn't have a connection to yoga I didn't have any mm-hmm. desire to do it but but that journey in becoming a yoga teacher has been nothing but but inspiring and it's just it's fed the that performer in me so mm-hmm. both of these things i've always been in those three worlds like existing that's where i'm at i have a foot in in the activist community and a foot in the artistic community and a foot in the health and wellness community mm-hmm. and it's always been like a balancing thing when i'm doing too much of one i feel like i'm not giving enough to the others so mm-hmm. it's always best when i'm equally spread in the three and then then I don't feel guilty Like <laughs> I'm saving the world I'm saving people And I'm saving myself All at the oh, same time So That's beautiful <laughs> I have a lot of saving to do <laughs> like,
0: You're literally A superhero Luke.
2: Ooh
1: Balls to the wall
0: So What's What's next for you Do you know In life Not Not in just like careers But
1: I was telling you, I want to move. I whatever. know, I want to exit the city. I
0: didn't, I didn't want to say. Oh my God, is this official though? Like now that it's and on that, a podcast, that, does now that mean? You have
1: does to does that mean I have to go again?
0: <laughs> Basically, you're gonna walk out of this apartment, and you will be escorted across yeah, the George yeah, Washington yeah. Bridge. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's official. I have to go to Jersey.
1: Is what you're <laughs> saying? Like again? Like again? You <laughs> said you wanted to leave. You says, <laughs> just take what we got. <laughs> <laughs> no, like New York has given me so much. Yeah. And I I need I need to change. I want to have a kid.
2: Oh, wow. I don't know when
1: that's going to happen, but I I, I, didn't wanna, know you but guys I were don't want to have that. a kid here, so Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I want to move to the beach. Have a baby. We'll Is Lino excited about it? None. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he's but he's going to be a great father. Again. <laughs> again. <laughs> He wants some ashy black babies. He wants. He already has names for them all, though. Oh, yeah, does he yeah. really? Yeah, Menempsha. I don't know about that, but we're, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. I can't wait. You guys
0: are going to be my first friends to ever name their baby Abba Goliath. Oh, totally. I, I'm not sure if I can get you on board, but I'm pretty sure if I just start emailing Lino, I can make I it think, happen. I think, yeah,
1: I think you can. Yeah, he's susceptible to yeah. your charms. Like, just like... Especially if you come and take his class, oh my gosh, then he'll do anything I, for you. It's
0: uh, that's one of those things I've been meaning to do for. Well, he just taught one, and I yeah. was supposed to come last yeah, night, yeah. and I wound up building a couch. But yeah. to be honest, that's fulfilling. Well, well, <laughs> I'll be honest, I feel, I just feel a just lot kidding. better. Now it looks this. really good. To Your couch <laughs> well, because because it was uh, what was it? It was a tantric. What 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 it was? What, it, what, was, what,
1: it, was what? it was a tantric kundalini yoga class to awaken your sexual deity. Right.
0: And you guys kept stressing that it needed to be single girls and single guys. And because right now I'm in a relationship and I haven't seen my boyfriend in four weeks. Part of me is like, if I go there... I'm gonna cheat on my boyfriend. <laughs> like,
1: like, you're like this close to being single. Well that's why I was like
0: I was like, maybe maybe I should just concentrate on building furniture today. Well you know what? It was
1: actually really cool. I mean I wasn't at the class, but I came to the after party and mm-hmm. and it was all based on my friend my friend Rosalind Hart, aka Dr. Alex Schiller. Yes.
0: Which I saw her first show. I saw a show she did.
1: Yeah, shells, or you saw no you shell. saw an NSA. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a great show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super fun. But I helped. I her. got laid after I, that, yeah. Show. So that's the whole point of yeah, the show, yeah. Great. Exactly. I helped her create this character like years ago, and it's really flourished. She does a show at Joe's Pub now, and it's been going on. She's done it actually all over the world. She's done it on the West Coast, and I think she's done it in uh, in the UK I mm-hmm. think too, and also in in DC. And now she has a book out too. It's all oh, taken off wow. from from this idea that that she created, and I helped her come up with the name and helped her with the initial stuff. She did. It was all hers, definitely. I'm not going to take credit for her work, but mm-hmm. but I was a driving force. To get her propelled to it, mm-hmm. and to see it like grow into this thing is has been awesome because it's really just basically about awakening people's uh, sexual power, mm-hmm. which a lot of people tamp it down M- more in America, I think, than other places. But but all over, people can just tamp it down and not really. They're either scared of it, or they or they're uh, or they let it overrun them, or or somewhere just in between those two right but it's really a power and mm-hmm. sexuality is a power and you should own it and you should embrace it and it's such a beautiful part of life and a lot of people aren't living so to see this show which is a really fun show yeah. and this book which is a really fun book and this character which is a really fun character help to manifest that has been really really awesome so yeah. that's what this class and this party was last night was the same thing just cool. a furthering of that awesome. wake up people wake up and get laid <laughs> amen <laughs> <laughs> Life's too short. <laughs> don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> go,
0: go and get laid. Go, Do it now.
1: Sex. Do and, it now. Advice <laughs> like, number two from Luke: yeah, yeah, don't yeah, take but, yourself too seriously. Please, <laughs> go get laid. Otherwise, you'll never get laid. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants. Nobody wants to sleep with you when you're so serious. <laughs> like that is true. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> Have you ever slept with a high strung person? Oh it's God, awful annoying. It's
1: the worst. It's, yeah, yeah, it's no fun.
0: Uh yeah, well we're pretty much at we're kind of at the hourish mark. Um, is there anything that you want is that you can direct people to to find you to to see when you're doing shows or when you're teaching? Like
2: yeah,
1: like, like what's
0: how do we find Luke?
1: Well, follow my YouTube channel. That's where I put up my original music.
0: Okay, so check that out. I'll I'll put it all in. Yeah, the notes Daniel
1: too. Luke Strandquist on okay. YouTube. And uh, other than that, just, yeah, friend me on Facebook, and I'll keep you posted on anything coming up.
0: Do you have any audio of your songs?
1: Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's not, like, audio? like.
0: Well, my, my question is, is if you have just... If you can send me an MP3, mm-hmm. I can tag one of your songs to the end of this oh, podcast cool. if, if you'd like me to do that yeah to
1: you. I, yeah i might have one i'll send one to you all right, all cool. right cool
0: uh I, it's going up on monday so.
1: <laughs> all right so i'll do it stat <laughs> so, so, it so i'm going in the studio now yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, right this get second. it done
0: um cool okay wait so say your youtube video your youtube page one more time daniel luke strandquist daniel why, why don't you ever go by your first name
1: because when I was what, in Arkansas. You go by your first time. yeah, when I was in Arkansas as a little boy, I was called Danny Luke, and so I heard a lot of Danny Luke, you get down from there, you get da- don't make me get the hose, Danny Luke <laughs> like so uh, by the time I was seven, I was over Danny, like, I was just like, just Luke, just Luke, right, and then, as an adult, as a performer, I started to go as just Daniel Luke, okay, so I brought it back full circle, I dropped mm-hmm. the strand because nobody can pronounce it, nobody can say it. Oh. So it's just Daniel Luke. Luke ah.
0: But, um, I just call you Luke. Should yeah, I Daniel? Okay. No, 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 no. In the yoga Luke. world, it's still Luke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: But in the performing world, it's become Daniel Luke. Is it yeah.
0: still Danny Luke in the activist world? So they can be like, you get down off that Daniel? <sighs> yeah, Danny yeah, Luke. yeah you, get you get down off
1: that crane. You get down from there right now. You get down. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah.
0: All right. Any uh, do you do you have anything else? Or the YouTube page is the no. Best place visit
1: to get... YouTube. All love right. me up. I love you guys. All right, and I Sh- love you.
0: Share it. Tweet it. I'll put it on the the Facebook group as well. Sweet. Namaste, bitches. Namaste, Facebook.
1: bitches.
0: <laughs> All right. And your piece of advice. Yeah. Say it one more time for me.
1: Don't take yourself so seriously. Amen. Lighten brother. the fuck up.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Luke. Love you. Love you too. So that was it. That was the episode with Daniel Luke Strenquist. So find him on Facebook. Uh, he is also on Twitter and he always tweets his uh, shows and his, his yoga classes. So go to at yogi luke. That is him. I'm on at Abagaliah. All my shows are on at Abagaliah.com. And tell your friends about the podcast and join the Facebook group and get involved and post things you find interesting. And yeah, let's do it. But, uh, alright, no more classical music. What you heard today was uh, Siciliano, which is in D minor by Vivaldi. And, uh, oh boy, was that some dour music. But I kind of liked it, so that's why we used it. But now... Uh, To end the podcast, we have Luke, uh, Daniel Luke, singing 11th Avenue, one of his original pieces. So, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this song, and namaste. I
2: have a knee-jerk reaction. Each time you walk inside of a room My heart does a small contraction I didn't know if I was gonna see you But I hoped I'd see you soon Senses are suspended I'm breathless And weightless And I'm helpless As I'm hanging In the air I never ever really felt This way before Am I ever gonna feel This way again All I know is that I just don't seem to care Have you been down 11th Avenue? Lately things have started to change. And you'll discover things from a different point of view. On 11th Avenue, it's all strange. Once was a girl that's so all in pearls. But was she really a girl? Was she really even a girl? Was she really even a girl? Just a girl Just a little girl Well, excuse my interruption It's just my point of view I'm lost here, I'm off balance And I don't know what to do Senses are suspended I'm breathless and weightless And I'm helpless as I'm hanging in the air I never ever really felt this way before Am I ever gonna feel this way again? All I know is that I just don't seem to care Take a walk with me down 11th Avenue. Let's see if we can find our way. I want to find in you the things I never knew I knew. If not today, then tell me when's the day. Was a boy, he was mom's pride and joy. But was he really a boy? Was he really even a boy? Was he really even a boy? Just a boy Just a little boy I have a knee your reaction Each time you walk inside of the room